Hello, welcome back to Meraki Unboxed. My name is Simon Thompson, your host for today. It's awesome to have you back with us again. We run this podcast every couple of weeks, and it's all about Meraki, whether it's the technology, whether it's the people, the culture, what it is that we're doing, the trends in this industry that we operate in, and of course, our customers. You, the customers and the partners who work with us, uh, we are so grateful to have you joining us on this journey. And you know that is why we do this podcast. We really do it for you. And so I, as I always encourage every time, please do reach out and let me know if you would like to be featured on the podcast. So uh, whether you're using Meraki technology, whether you're interested in Meraki technology, whether you're a partner or a customer, whether you're a technology partner, whatever it is, if you have an idea for the show, we would love to hear from you. You can reach me very easily via Twitter. My handle there is at Meraki Simon. And uh, as I said, I would love to hear from you. Let's get into today's episode. Uh, We are recording this on Friday afternoon, right before July 4th weekend. So we're definitely ready for a little bit of a three-day weekend. Looking forward to that. Uh, But before we get into that, uh, I am going to introduce our guests for today. We're going to be talking about our camera and sensor technology. So definitely moving into that IoT space today. So to do that, uh, I'd like to, first of all, introduce um, Sarah Lynn. Hi, Sarah Lynn. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you, Simon. How are you? Well, always good on a Friday afternoon. You know, it's it's generally the best time of the week. Is it? No. You know what I mean. And uh, David. <laughs> <laughs> David, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Simon. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, love having everybody on here today. And so let's get into things. Um, Sarah Lynn, why don't you just give us an introduction? Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do for Meraki. Yeah, I have been at Rocky for not quite as long as you, Simon, but uh, seven and a half, going on eight years now. And I've done a variety of different things. But the last several years, I've been working really closely with our IoT product management team, first on the camera line, focused on how can we help our channel partners with this new product, and then before moving into uh, product marketing focused on MV and then the now the IoT portfolio as a whole. Wow, that's a lot. And uh, yeah, seven or eight years is is very vintage indeed. Although I tend to think we, we've been hiring so many people that uh, you're almost a veteran after a year at the place at the moment. Definitely. David, introduce yourself. Tell us about you. Uh, hey, everyone. My name is Dave Hoyson, and I am a product marketing manager here at Cisco Meraki. And I focus specifically on uh, the MT sensor portfolio. I joined Meraki um, just, I think, around five months ago now, so still relatively new to the company. However, I've been dabbling in the IoT space for the past five or six years, covering healthcare, industrial, and even had a stint where I was uh, teaching an IoT course at Carnegie Mellon University. So very familiar with it and love the cutting-edge, exciting technology. Wow. That's, uh, that's some pretty good resumes between the two of you. Uh, so uh, thank you so much, both of you, for joining us, taking some time out of your day. Uh, what we really wanted to do was was get beyond the networking today. So Meraki, of course, is very well known for what we've done uh, with cloud networking uh, technology, and and we have sort of we're coming up on fifteen years of doing that now. And uh, obviously, we made this change. We decided to sort of branch off into a new whole area of technology, and you know we're not so well known for that. So I really just wanted to spend a bit of time exploring it a little bit, and you know the reasoning behind it. And that's probably a great place to start. So um, Sarah Lynn, maybe give us a little bit of a history lesson. Tell us why we decided to move beyond networking into these cameras and sensors we do now. Yeah, so it's a little bit 
of a uh, personal or company need, a little bit of a customer ask. But everything we do at Meraki is striving to simplify some sort of technology. It's the same thing we did with wireless uh, APs, getting rid of controllers, having everything cloud managed. And the physical security market was very ripe for disruption. Uh, most camera technologies relied on complex architecture that requires multiple parts and pieces. So you've got a camera, which is what everyone thinks about, but in order to make the camera work, you need storage to store the video, you need servers, you need some sort of video management system, and it gets complex really quickly. Uh, we had an incident, I guess, at the Meraki office where uh, something was stolen or misplaced, and so we tried to look into getting some cameras to place in places, and we couldn't figure out how to make them work properly. They were frustrating. They were confusing. They didn't really make sense for uh, you know where the world was today. Mm-hmm. So that drove a little bit of it. But we also had customers that were asking for us to Moroccify, as we like to say, security cameras as well. And it's interesting because you mentioned the fact that cameras are outside of, of networking. But we had customers asking for help in this area. And, you know, as you know, a lot of our customers are those IT IT people. Mm-hmm. And they were being asked or being pulled into or being forced to manage uh, security cameras as they moved on to the network. As technology migrated from analog to IP-based, all of a sudden IT was having to deal with physical security and camera solutions, and they saw what a headache it was to configure, manage, update, secure. Uh, And so it's kind of the perfect storm of things. We want to start thinking about just like our customers are thinking about the fact that physical security is network security, it's cyber security, there's a digital security aspect to it too. And I think we were perfectly placed with our background in that to to change the market. Mm-hmm. And it's very interesting you you mentioned about um, IP there because uh, you know I remember thinking, uh, and I'm, I've no doubt I read this somewhere else, so I'm sure it's not an original thought. But IP is going to eat the world. It's like it's taking over bit by bit, and and uh, we saw that obviously with voice a long time ago, and now we're starting to see it branch out into even more technology. Uh, so yeah, it makes perfect sense. And and of course this has also driven some you know, human uh, aspects as well. So this is why we tend to use this term, the digital workplace, uh, where we've seen, you know, different departments that used to be completely separate, never spoke to each other, starting to come together uh, around this technology and and around this new way of doing things. So really interesting there. And and so security is also fundamental here, of course. We, 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 we're used to thinking about physical security as you know, protecting the physical spaces. You know, is anything being stolen? And you know, th- those traditional um, use cases, if you like. Uh, but but obviously now we're seeing some convergence happening, right? So maybe maybe talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah. So it's I alluded to it a little bit when I mentioned the complexity of securing physical security or security camera solutions. So. You know, there. If you Google it, I'm sure you'll see a variety of different examples of um, attacks, malware attacks, DDoS attacks, malware viruses, things that were executed or implemented through a weakness in a security camera system, and 
bad actors don't really care how they get in. They just want in. And once they're in to something on the network, then they can go other places and do whatever they want. So it's really important for IT and physical security teams to be having conversations, to be working together. They can't work in silos anymore because a weakness in physical security can hurt cyber or network security. But at the same time, a weakness in your network security uh, can lead to them kind of someone coming in and overtaking that, which can lead to ramifications in the physical world. So they are very, very tied together now. Mm, yeah. Uh, thanks for that. And and I also want to bring David in uh, just to to give us some of that background from the the uh, from the the position of census. And so, David, talk to us about those. Yeah. So on the surface, IoT sensors might not seem like a logical extension uh, for a company that traditionally makes access points and switches and SD WAN appliances. However, what we found was that even though businesses could have secure firewalls, redundant connectivity, and a variety of other tools in place to build resilient networks, the physical environment played a really significant role in keeping the network operational. So in that sense, it was an extremely uh, like logical extension to our portfolio to really take a look at how can we help protect the physical environment in addition to the digital environment that we're protecting with the firewalls and other products. Um, so we're looking at things like temperature, humidity, water leakage. All of these can damage equipment, lead to network downtime, um, and just cause disruption to normal business operations. In addition to this, things like unauthorized access into IT spaces, or even something as simple as a technician accidentally leaving a cabinet door open could ultimately lead to uh, network downtime or again, cause various disruptions in their businesses. Mm -hmm. So we found that uh, when we were looking at this problem that environmental factors can actually uh, cause disruption in business. So we were looking at what, well, how are other companies out there approaching this? What are people doing with current sensor solutions to address this issue? And what we found was that the, the solutions that were out there, they made it extremely difficult for technicians to monitor all these environmental factors in a really a scalable way. So, and this became especially apparent when IT department um, is responsible for managing many distributed locations all at the same time. So, and then what also made it difficult was that a lot of these legacy solutions, they required expensive cable runs. Uh, they provided false alerts or inaccurate readings. They required dedicated on-premise servers that did not integrate with the existing IT systems. And so when we looked at this, we, we saw, thought that there had to be a better way. How can we maracify uh, the sensors that are out there, um, as Sarah Lynn had mentioned? And so just given these challenges that we saw and Cisco Meraki's background in simplicity, security, and cloud-managed products, we saw a, a really big opportunity to help our customers build truly holistic, resilient uh, business solutions with IoT sensors. Mm. And so I think one of the interesting areas here is that uh, is what we do with these products. So we, we have obviously a history of not just uh, disrupting from the perspective of cloud management, but also uh, what these products are capable of doing. So maybe recap for us uh, what it is that we're capable of doing uh, with these products. Uh, and again, I'll, I'll kick it off to Sarah Lynn for that one. Yeah, thanks, Simon. So 
We, that's true. We call our cameras smart cameras too for a very specific reason. They're more than just security cameras sitting there and kind of passively collecting data information and waiting for you to do something with them. Uh, Our cameras are smart because they have, they are sensors themselves. They have processors on board that are uh, analyzing video in real time at the edge uh, to understand what is happening. They know when motions occurred and they're using cutting edge technology like machine learning and computer vision to actually detect things in the environment so they can detect people and vehicles. And most recently we added the ability to actually detect desks uh, to help manage office occupancy Mm. and even sirens and alarms, which are an auditory thing, but we're using, again, computer vision to look at sound waves to understand when there might be something happening in the environment that you need to act on. And that does a couple different things, right? So from a physical security standpoint, it makes it easy for you to find relevant information. If I know when motions happened or when a person was seen in an area, it'll help me with an investigation, Uh, If you've seen our cameras and you've looked at like kind of that motion search, you can see that we actually give you a visual summary of an event. We call them motion recaps. So you can find answers more quickly to who took what, who came in the door uh, without watching any video sometimes. Mm. Uh, And then when we take that beyond physical security, Uh, Our cameras can now be used to do things like line queuing, uh, journey pathing in retail. Uh, We've seen our cameras be used to do more types of retail analytics, to do safe uh, working practices, you know, keeping track of or understanding how many people are on a plant floor if they have the proper uh, safety gear on and a variety of different things. So it is the, it's kind of, I don't want to say the possibilities are endless, but I kind of want to say the possibilities are endless. <laughs> I love, I love the idea that, it, that they're endless. Uh, that'll keep us busy for a very long time then. <laughs> um, and uh, the other thing that's really interesting is, is that, uh, you know, some of the, some of those capabilities that you went through there, some of those are quite significant at this point in time, right? Where we've got people starting to consider returning to um, physical workspaces and you know, the mm-hmm. questions out there, you know, how do we do this differently now? How do we keep that safety there? And how do we keep the efficiency of the, of the spaces we've got? And, you know, we, we actually had a guest on uh, recently on the podcast uh, from a partner company called Place OS who mm-hmm. are using some of this technology uh, to to help with physical spaces as well, so it's a really interesting area. Um, I think the you mentioned the desk one there. How does that work? Yeah, so the desk detection is part of our new occupancy analytics, and that was built by um, a team that we acquired actually the ModCam acquisition from last year, and they are very good at doing uh, computer vision stuff. So they really helped us up our game and kind of bring more capabilities into what we were working on. But what that does is it lets customers use the same cameras they're using for physical security in their office space. In this case, it's MB32s. And they combine our ability to detect 
people and understand where people are within a space and adds the ability to detect desks as well. So our customers can now understand not only how many people are in a in an office total, in a floor, in a meeting room, but also what desks are being used. Mm. And that's super useful information, as you mentioned. People are trying to figure out how to go back to the office, and we haven't been back in some cases in well over a year. And I'm sure you know, Simon, at Meraki, we're trying to figure out who needs desks, how many desks do we need, what is, what's the new normal, and I hate that term, but what's that mm. going to look like? Uh, and it's hard to gather the data and our cameras are able to do that. Our customers are able to use the same, again, the same cameras they use for physical security to give them this data to help them make those decisions and be better prepared. Right. And of course, the sensors are going to be helping a lot with some of this as well. David, talk us through, because obviously the sensors are a little newer, talk us through the, the sort of primary capabilities we have uh, at this time. Yeah, of course. So... Fundamentally, our sensors are capable of remotely monitoring temperature, humidity, water leakage, and door access. And they can send proactive alerts the moment any issue occurs so that key st stakeholders can take action to minimize the impact or uh, prevent any kind of network outages or downtime. Our sensors, they also leverage the Meraki cameras and our MR access points as gateways to get the data up to the Meraki dashboard. So there's some kind of inter interesting integrations when you start to combine the sensor data with some of that of our other products. So just given the cloud-based nature of all of our products and the open APIs that we offer, we can actually start to create some custom experiences for our customers. So for example, we can combine a door open and close alarm from one of our sensors with the video footage from the MV camera, thus providing a holistic view of a particular event. Um, so who had accessed that space at what particular time, and then stakeholders can use that to start to troubleshoot the issue um, or address you know, whatever concerns they may have. Um, so really, once you have the data up there, it, it starts to open the, the doors of possibilities. We're starting to see our sensors be used in smart retail environments, quality control inside manufacturing. Um, and a, a really interesting use case is that we're seeing a, one of our customers are actually using sensor data as a way to reduce the costs um, in the carbon emissions associated with uh, cooling their data centers and server rooms. Mm. Yeah, that's a really interesting one. I think uh, I think we're hoping to get them on the podcast as well soon to talk about that one. So I can't wait for that one. And and so there was also something uh, recently about uh, refrigeration, right? So there's something new happening there. Yeah. So we started um, inside the network closet with our uh, first portfolio of sensors, but we recently just came out with a brand new sensor called MT11, which is a temperature probe sensor, um, which now we are expanding outside of that network closet and into cold storage. So monitoring the temperature inside refrigerated environments. So um, things like uh, inside grocery or uh, quick serve restaurants or in manufacturing, uh, wherever perishable goods are being stored um, inside of refrigerated environments, we can now start to monitor the temperature inside there uh, so that Anytime that an issue occurs inside those environments, someone can take action. So, for example, uh, one of our customers, they had an outage with one of their freezers 
um, on, late on a Friday night after everyone had already got went home. That seems to be when every single issue occurs for, mm, for some reason. Of course, right? Um, but by the time they got there on Monday uh, and everything had defrosted and melted and it had all spoiled and gone to waste. So they lost over $16,000 worth of, of perishable goods um, just from that one event. But had they known that that freezer was starting to fail, they could go and they could relocate the product. They could start to move it um, or have a flash sale or whatever they need to uh, in order to try to minimize or completely eliminate any type of loss. It's really nice. And and it's when you sort of start to bring out some of these stories that we really see the value of what we're doing here. And and I know we started off by talking about uh, the why. Why are we doing this? And the, the, the initial conversation really was a lot about uh, the technology and some of the weaknesses with the, the technology as, ex- as existed as in the past. I can't speak. It's Friday afternoon. Um, but there's also this concept of experiences, which we, we know are increasingly important because you know, technology is really getting to a point now where it's it's so pervasive in our lives and it really is now a case of differentiating through better experiences. So, you know, how is our focus on the physical world uh, helping with some of these these customer experiences? Um, Sarah Lynn, want to have a go at that one? Yeah, Simon, I love this question. Um, and I just want to make one comment before we talk about the how, but it's, or what it's actually doing. But when you can make technology simple to deploy and simple to use and manage. You free up so much time. And when we can give our customers useful information, they can do so much more with it. So our focus on the physical world has given customers more time to actually focus on creating these great customer experiences to be more proactive. You know, as David mentioned, if, they, if that customer had had that um, MT11, they could have proactively uh, maybe even notice that there were issues early with that fridge uh, and, and saved the um, and saved the merchandise. But when the customers have the time and the knowledge and the visibility to be able to do this, they can create you know safer environments for their students, their employees, or their guests, or smarter spaces that um, you know where things are automated for comfort and safety, and things just work. And so. By providing this data and insight into the physical world, we can empower our customers to do to do more, to differentiate, and to wow their customers mm-hmm. uh, in ways that they were not able to before. Yeah, and we're all yearning for that, right? We have so much technology around us, and often what we have in our own homes is superior to what we experience when we start interfacing with some of the brands uh, uh, that we have in our lives. And so that's a little frustrating, and so we we now have we know we have the tools to uh, to help here. So it's it's really cool that we're we're part of that journey. That's really cool. Um, David, do we got anything to add there? Yeah, and just just to piggyback off of what Sarah Lynn was saying, it kind of brings me back to um, in a in a previous role, we had a customer that they spent over a million dollars every single year to uh, drive a truck around from site to site just to collect various environmental uh, data points for compliance reasons. Mm. And it was, it sucked up so much time, so many resources, and it just wasn't adding much value to their organization. And so when we can provide uh, this type of data to them from the comfort of their home or office, 
it frees up so much bandwidth for them to start to add value in their organization in other ways. Not only can they put that uh, that money towards improving their business, but now that employee can start to work on developing uh, some business outcomes and solutions for their customers. So they can start to think about how can I create some enhanced customer experiences? Maybe I want to make the office environment more comfortable or offer some type of customized retail experience. Uh, there's a lot of different things you can do whenever you have that data um, readily available for you. Mm. And I think this is this is one of my favorite areas of talking about this stuff because I do enjoy the technology. I love geeking out on on what we're able to do uh, from that perspective. But but it's when we start talking about these experiences. I mean, that's the reason why we're in this job, right? This is why we really do it. So uh, I, this is really the part that I'm most excited about, which is to ask you about use cases and uh, and real world uh, customer experiences with these products. So. Uh, you know, I know we've covered a couple of these already, but um, talk me through a couple of other stories. Uh, who would like to have a go at that? I'll I'll take that one to start. Um, you're right; there are so many. I don't want to just kind of like bullet fire them off, but uh, I think one of the things that we've seen in the last 12 to 18 months is, and I I mentioned earlier, the possibilities are endless, but how true that really is. Um, so some of these things, hopefully we won't have to do for a while, but our customers, you know, have been able to adapt really quickly, uh, to help become safer or more efficient in the, you know, during, uh, the pandemic with the cameras, we've done things like remote patient monitoring when PPE, uh, and there was PPE shortages and, and staffing shortages, um, our customers have adapted them for mass detection, looking at occupancy to help with social distancing, and then also, this is one of my favorite stories, is the, the vaccine distribution with using MV and MT to kind of monitor access to an area with the cameras and then use MT20, that door open close sensor, to know when, uh, when something was being opened, when a door was being opened, when a fridge door was being opened, make sure that it was you know, closed if it wasn't in use because of the you know, temperature sensitivity of uh, of the vaccine. So there's mm. those are are some of them and as we start to get back out um the the I'll bring up just the occupancy analytics again and then maybe we'll pass off to Dave to to talk about some other ones but um I just think about you know the safety um that well I just think about the safety requirements now for businesses as they open up, you know, making sure that there's a, you know, the right number of people are in a space, um, you know, and then understanding how to use that space and then presenting that information so employees can make decisions about whether or not they want to go in. We can do that with our cameras. And then sometimes it's just, you talked about experiences like the employee experience. Simon, you probably remember um, many hours wasted at the Meraki office trying to find a meeting room that was available. Oh, don't remind me. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> if, if, you know, we had the, uh, the solution then that we have now, it'd be really easy. We could create, you know, we could have the, the cameras as sensors in those, in those offices, and then we could... Like, like we did used to have that uh, map up there on the TV screens that could now be a live view of, you know, whether or not there were people in the meeting rooms. And I could have, we could have been so much more productive. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've been hearing rumors <laughs> that we might actually, when, when we do eventually get back to the office, which in our case is probably later this year or even beginning of next, um, 
that they they are actually going to take advantage of some of this stuff. So I'm looking forward to seeing how they do it because yeah, meeting rooms. I don't know if anyone else is in that kind of world, but it can be a real challenge. Real challenge. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and that's and that's the thing. Uh, the last piece I'll say is that the adaptability of it. Right, when you you the, you have the cameras for physical security, or you have the sensors for one thing. You know to monitor. Uh, the temperatures they're they're built in a way that they're agile enough to adapt to what you need now right in which case it might be occupancy analytics to maintain the proper distancing and meet requirements but in the future you can still use that to create like I mentioned that better employee experience so we can you know figure out where to hold our meeting looking forward to it David what have you got yeah, since I joined the company uh, just five months ago, I've seen so many exciting use cases that I would never have thought of uh, with our MT sensors. So, for one, we have a, a there's a library that is protecting a lot of their valuable assets inside their basement with our MT12 water sensor. Uh, this building is in an area that is prone to flooding. And anytime it's had, they've experienced two floods so far. And so they're using the MT12 to make sure that no water is actively leaking into this building. Uh, something I would never have thought of uh, initially whenever we're, the primary use case that we were looking at was um, monitoring the, the network closets in the server rooms. Um, but then on top of that, we're starting to look at companies using the, the data for quality control in manufacturing environments or inside retail environments to make sure that uh, beverages or even cigars are stored at proper temperatures. Um, in addition to that, talking about, Sarah Lynn mentioned the physical security, we've seen a lot of schools start to update and modernize their physical security. And they're putting in the, the MV cameras to monitor the hallways and the entryways. But then students inside these buildings, they're prone to propping doors open so that they can get back in. Um, however, that, that poses a risk for everybody involved. And so they're using our sensors to, to monitor anytime that door has been left open for an extended period of time. Um, but uh, two that I really wanted to talk about. One that's really exciting that just came up and is very kind of a hot topic right now is with election security. And so they're actually using our MV and MT sensors to monitor these election boxes anytime where ballots are being placed in, A, to make sure that they're not being tampered with, and B, to make sure that um, nothing gets in there, like uh, water, for example, that could damage uh, or you know lose the integrity with the contents inside there. So um, it's very exciting to be on the front lines of that because I know that is a very hot topic, um, and we want to make sure that we are um, helping to deliver the best possible outcomes in that space. But the, the last use case that I, I wanted to double down on, and I mentioned it earlier, was about one of our customers using the MT sensor data to actually reduce cost and carbon emissions in their data centers. This is something really exciting, and I think it's going to be a, uh, a more common thing moving forward just because of the, the power that it has behind it. What we found was that traditional wisdom and knowledge, I guess just tribal knowledge, if you will, was that um, they were cooling data centers between 21 and 23 degrees C and 40 to 60% relative humidity. However, um, a group called ASHRAE, they're a, they're a standards body, and they did a lot of testing to see how um, warm can we actually get these rooms without losing the integrity of this equipment. And so they actually found that you can safely operate data centers 
uh, between 10 and 35 degrees C and 20 to 80 percent relative humidity. So when you start to expand the boundaries of the temperature and humidity, all of a sudden you don't have to use your HVAC system as often. And the uh, the HVAC system is one of the leading causes for energy consumption and carbon emissions inside of these data centers. Right. And the, the, the customer that we're working with, they're projecting to save between 20 to 50% in the cost and the carbon emissions um, just by implementing these ASHRAE standards and making sure that the temperature and humidity falls within those the, the proper ranges with using our sensors. We're really we're touching on so many improvements or opportunities for improvement uh, as we talk about these products because you know we've got the efficiency of the of the technology itself, uh, we've got the experiences that we're able to improve, and now we're also able to bring in this concept of sustainability, which obviously is incredibly important for all of us to be considering any way that we can. And uh, you know, it really does sound like a combination of the technology that we're talking about today is is uh, able to help in a whole bunch of different areas. So. Definitely exciting uh, stuff to to talk about. Thanks for sharing that, David. Um, it leads me to ask the uh, the Orca question at this point. Uh, where do we go from here? Simon, you know we don't talk about roadmap. I'll go on. George has drilled that into me for <laughs> for years and years and years. It doesn't but... hurt to ask. <laughs> no, that's fair. I I couldn't help myself too. Um, so yeah, I think what we're going to look to do at a very high level is just continue the work we're doing, continuing to provide customers with, with more and more insights and information that, that they can use to run their business, to become more efficient, optimize processes, uh, and offer better experiences. You know, if you, again, I'm going to, I don't tell George, I'm going to keep quoting him on this, but you know, he often, you know, asks, well, why do you get cameras? Why do you get sensors? And, and when it boils down to it, customers want them for information. They want them for answers. Mm. Um, so it could be how hot is it? What happened over there? You know, who took the thing? And we want to make it really, really easy to give them the answers. And, and you've seen what we've done with certain things. Like first on the cameras, it was motion search. They didn't have to watch a lot of video then it started to become, you know, the machine learning uh, object detection for people. Then we added vehicles and now we have desks and alarms and sirens and all of these things. And we're looking, so within V, we're really looking to provide more information from the thing that you already have or need, and that's the camera. Um, so I think that you'll, you're going to continue to see us innovate in this area to figure out how we can, you know, what questions are customers asking? What do they need information about? And how can we make it really, really easy to give them that insight into what's happening mm. uh, so that they can, you know, take action, make informed decisions, uh, create better experiences? Right. Yes, a repeated theme, definitely, and and very important one. Um, David, what about on your side? Yeah, I would have to just echo uh, what Sarah Lynn had mentioned, um, but for the sensors. And we're going to continue to think about other use cases in places where visibility could be useful. And we've already started to do this. I mean, we, we launched with our MT10, 12, and 20 um, as a primary network closet monitoring solution um, at, just because our customers, they needed that easy and reliable way to monitor uh, these business critical assets. 
However, our customers, they started to find new and exciting ways to use these devices, as I mentioned with um, monitoring election collections and vaccine distribution. And um, we recently just launched the MT11 temperature probe sensor to start to get us outside the data center into refrigerated environments. Um, it's it's very important that IT professionals keep their IPAs at an optimal <laughs> drinking temperature. <laughs> you are so right. Uh, yeah, but no. In, in all seriousness, um, the the cold storage monitoring was something that we saw uh, was a, a big problem for a lot of our customers, and so we started to develop technology to to address that for them. Um, but when we look at IoT in general, and you know where can we take this roadmap? You know, we don't want to just create another IoT product for the sake of IoT. There's there's enough of them out there, right? There's connected teddy bears. Today, I found a pair of connected flip-flops that their sole function was for you to download an application so that the company can send you marketing emails uh, and push notifications to you. So not, neither of those actually solve problems. And um, so at Meraki, we're looking to actually move the needle. We're looking to help our customers. Um, and so we're going to continue to explore different ways in which our customers are struggling and see how can we um, enable them and empower them through connected technology uh, with additional cameras and sensors. We, we've certainly covered a lot uh, in this. In this, What are we at? 37 minutes we've been chatting about this now. And uh, let me see. So we've had uh, cigars, we've had IPA, and even a mention of connected teddy bears. I, I, I don't know how we top this in future it's episodes. It's definitely Friday afternoon, isn't it? It's definitely Friday afternoon. <laughs> um, I mean, I, re- I really want to thank you both so much um, for, for going through all this stuff. It's it's a lot of stories, a lot to absorb and take in, but I think the message is very clear that, that these can clearly uh, start to provide some real benefits for the real world, for things that we really care about, all of us as, as customers uh, ourselves. So I guess the obvious question, just to wrap things up, is you know where do we go from here? Uh, we've talked about that, but where do people go to learn more? Yeah, so the easiest place if you, well, the easiest thing is probably go ask your, your rep or your uh, partner uh, but if you don't have one of those, I mean, go to Meraki.com. You can check out information on uh, all of our existing products as well as the new launches um, and learn more about that. The blog, Meraki.com slash blog is also a great place uh, to check this information out. And the probably the best way uh, to learn more and try it is actually to do a trial. Mm. So you can also do a a free no risk trial and um, get some of this gear out, test it out, um, kick it around, see, you know, what kind of experiences you can create in your organization. I love it. No better way than to get your hands on it, try it out for yourself uh, every single time. So this has been really good. I, I feel like we could unpack a whole bunch of stories here and spend time exploring each one of them. Um, so, and we might well do that in future episodes. Uh, so thank you both very much for, for sharing all of that. Uh, it's been really, really interesting. I I think this is a good opportunity to remind our listeners as well uh, that you know if you are a, a customer of these products, you're using them, and you have this great story around an experience that you've changed through implementing technology like this. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to have you on the podcast 
to share that story. So as I said at the beginning, please reach out to me, uh, use Twitter and find me there at Meraki Simon and just ping me a message. I would love to hear from you and we can talk about getting you on the podcast. All right, so time to wrap things up. Um, Sarah Lynn, David, thank you both very much. Thank you, Simon. Yeah, thanks for having us, Simon. It's been great. We had a really good run through today uh, and have a great weekend as well. I don't know if when you're listening to this, folks, but uh, you know, the weekend is just out there. It's not too far away. Stay with us. And uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks with another episode of Meraki Unboxed. Until then, stay safe, stay well. Bye for now. 